Hello everyone and welcome to the Burrito Kind of Guy podcast. In this week's episode, I talk with Maddie Grace. Maddie Grace is a singer-songwriter uh, from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. She plays in a lot of different bands like Cluttered, which is my new favorite band, uh, Century Egg, Modern Cynics, Future Girls, Weekend Dads, Sore Spots. There are so many bands. She even has a solo project. And I consider her being a very talented singer-songwriter and a professional sad girl. Okay, I, I don't consider her a professional sad girl, but that's what her Instagram page is saying. So, there you go. I had the pleasure to play some shows with her in the Maritimes right before the pandemic struck. Actually, it was on March 13th, like on March 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th of 2020, so we had to cancel the last show uh, because everybody was uh, gone to buy toilet paper, apparently, I think, I'm not sure. Um, anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this, uh, it's uh, it's very cool, It's uh, to me, like uh, I'm making this podcast because uh, it's uh, fun to talk with some friends I haven't talked in a while, and uh, I'd like to have... Um, new ideas on how to write my own songs yeah and if at some point you listen to this and you're like oh shit I should do something more creative with my life then uh, if, if at least one person does this when uh, they listen to my podcast then I feel like that I've, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve with this so yeah let me know uh, send me messages on uh, Instagram uh, burrito kind of guy or find me on Facebook and send me messages uh, if you listen to this podcast uh, if you have any ideas of guests uh, like we're talking a lot about songwriting but uh, I wouldn't mind having uh, any other kinds of artists Um, so if you have any ideas let me know if you want to be part of this amazing experience that is the Burrito Kind of Guy podcast please let me know I'm very very open Um, and uh, I have a Patreon that you can subscribe to but you don't have to that's what's magical about the internet is you don't have to pay for shit except the internet but yeah uh but if you want to support what i'm doing and get every episode in advance you can go to my patreon it's gm music patreon you'll find me uh you should learn how to spell my name it's very difficult it's g-u-i-l-h-e-m and it's pronounced gm there i said it in this podcast um and if you subscribe to this patreon you'll get a new song every month you'll get a demo of an or an old song every month uh you can there's different tiers of this in this patreon thing so you can get like i don't know a cover song every month stuff like that exclusive shit just google it and you'll find all the information this week's episode is sponsored by another podcast what yeah another podcast the podcast is called dirty decibels podcast it's hosted by boston-based audio engineer and musician and friend Jeff Buske. Dirty Decibels seeks out conversations with musical, visual, physical and humanitarian artists far and wide who are working hard to innovate, connect and create. What? That sounds like my podcast. So if you like my podcast, you should check out Dirty Decibels podcast, which is hosted by my friend Jeff um, that's it. The intro was very long. Sorry about that. Let's go to the conversation with Maddie Grace. Maddie Grace. Hi. Can you tell me 
where I'm going to start very abruptly with this, but where, where are you from? Where were you born? And in where was what, I born? Yeah. And what year was it? Oh, uh, I was born in Miramichi, New Brunswick in 1986. 1986. I like to know like when, when other people were born, because then when we're going to talk about uh, your childhood and your teenage years and when you started playing music, I can be like, oh, okay, I was born at this moment. Yeah. Or, or yeah. So, and what was it like to grow up in Mir Miramichi? Uh, fucking terrible. <laughs> it was... It was really hard because it's a really, it's like a geographically large, but like small population. And the thing that comes with small populations when you're say a closeted trans woman uh, growing up in the nineties, um, you know, it makes it not a great, not a great time. Yeah, I bet. Where is Miramichi? Mir is it like on the east side of New Brunswick? Or? Yeah, like yeah. the north, start towards like the northeastern side of New Brunswick. Okay. Wow. And and when did you when did you move out of there? Did you like oh, spend the? Oh, I uh, I moved to Halifax in two thousand and four. Two thousand and four, and before that, you you spent your whole like uh, your first eighteen uh, years. Yeah, with the exception of like uh, a weird one month thing in high school, which was like, it's just a very complicated story. Um, <laughs> with the exception of that, yeah, I grew up, I, I like lived in the same house from the point I was like five years old until I left when, in 04. Okay. And, and when did you start to play music? Did you, uh, did you learn very uh, I started early? to play music when I was 15. I bought an acoustic guitar and then kind of could like, like I took an interest in it. Like I, I didn't, my parents were always of the, I didn't really have interests that they were thought were applicable. It was like comic books and video games and stuff. And then uh, when I got into music, I just like fell into it like super hard. And they were like, oh, she's bad at sports, but can play guitar <laughs> um <laughs> so that's sort of where that started yeah oh yeah the sports in school oh my god where it's just like we don't really know what to do with this kid who's like effeminate and quiet and like doesn't seem to like other people let's put him in hockey what, what <laughs> were did you play hockey like when i was a little kid like for like a year my parents put me in like every sport and I like just did not take to anything. Do not yeah. have uh, athletic prowess. Wow. Cause I, I rem like my, my mom's from France. So I never, I never, be, I've never been pushed into hockey and, uh, but I've been pushed into different sports as well. But I remember it was also, I'm from a smaller town too. So Yeah. there's a i feel that there's something about hockey and, and sports in general in smaller towns which oh my god it's the thing that they're like they're like this is what uh you know the things that they like are like hockey and trucks yeah <laughs> uh and growing up you're like what's happening why yeah growing <laughs> up and just being like uh -huh, i think there's more to the world than this yeah oh yeah So you, you started, like you bought an acoustic guitar when you were 15. Do you, what kind of guitar was it? Do you know? Uh, 
I still have it. It's uh, it was like $180 from like a local music, like music uh, store. Um, the brand is escaping me right now, but it was like, it sounds pretty good. Like when I first started doing solo shows, that's what I was using was oh, my nice. first acoustic guitar. Cause it was just like, this is what I have. And, and you did not take any, I'm assuming you, did you take lessons or did you learn by yourself? What did you? So, so I'm relatively self-taught. I took two or three like lessons growing up, but it was more of like this music teacher who really wanted to have students accompany him while he played Beatles songs. And I was like, really? teach me how to play Green Day. And he's like, I don't want to do that. So it oh, was interesting. Uh, so then I just started learning like Nirvana and Green Day and like Ramon songs. And that was kind of where I went from there. Cool. And uh, do you remember the first, because like the first music that you bought, like the first CD, the first cassettes? Yeah. Or, where um, was it? So... It was more of one Christmas I got uh, The Offsprings Americana and Goo Goo Dolls Dizzy Up the Girl. That, really? That's Americana? It's insane because the first CD that I bought was um, Americana. Yeah. The Offsprings. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So that was like the first one. Like I, I kind of, I had access to like other people giving me CDs and like, uh or like lending cds and like lending tapes and stuff like so that's where when i was really young i heard green day for the first time and then i had a friend give me like a cd with smells like teen spirit on it and so but like the first ones i got of like my own money slash things i wanted was definitely like those that offspring and that goo goo doll cd nice and i will i will worry you then were you americana I was been, in i would have been like 11 or 12. okay nice um, and what were your parents doing? What kind of jobs did they have? Uh, my mom is a nurse and my dad had a variety of jobs and was not really like around. Um, it's kind of a weird upbringing. Like one parent was, it was kind of like I was raised in like a single parent household okay. because my dad was never around. He was like a minor and a truck driver and like did all of these things and was just like out of the house a lot. Well, were they still uh together when you yeah uh they're not they're not now and so that was okay. you know, i think it was very much a like stay together for the kids situation okay. and it just made things like really awkward do, do you have any siblings i have a younger sister yeah okay cool and did uh how, how young like how much younger is she uh a year and a half so did you, uh, when you got interested in, into, when you got interested in music, did you like send her we're, some tapes or? We're, we're very different people. Okay. Um, very, very different people. Uh, I'm sure some of the stuff that I liked, like rubbed off, but I don't know if it was ever like, like I was probably pretty insufferable about the thing that I liked because when I discovered music, I was like, here's an identity. Here's a thing that I can like gravitate towards and grab onto. And when I did like, you know, when you're getting into something that you think is really cool, you want everyone to love it as passionately as you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, of course. And then like when people don't, you're just like, oh, I'm just annoying you. <laughs> wow. Uh, do you, 
do you remember the first song that uh that you wrote like yeah, the first um, even if it's not like uh if it was just a melody or something like the first uh the first song so the f- the first thing that i can remember that was coherent was uh i had a friend growing up who was like kind of the person who showed me guitar stuff and we became like music friends uh we were in a high school talent competition together and i wrote the verse melody to the music that he had nice and that's like the first time that i ever like sat down to like write something that wasn't just like you know when you're a kid and you're like playing with words and you parody things by just like playing around with words like so did you write the melody only or the lyrics as well the lyrics and the melody yeah okay and what what was the song about being sad oh okay but like trying to be like obtuse about it like being very like i'm sad but i don't want anyone to know so i'm going to use this like this weird language to talk about it when it's just like no you're just sad <laughs> i remember the the first so the first song that i wrote was, even when i just started to learn to play guitar when i was 12 was about my cat yeah and it, it just it was just a funny song that made my parents laugh and i was like oh i i can there's a reaction to what i'm doing right now like i felt like i make them laugh but that that was the goal of it it was not like oh they're laughing at my art or whatever i was like yeah i was i meant to be funny so it's cool and i yeah. felt like there was something in there um that's, that's awesome that's like a <laughs> like the thing that sparks it where you're like oh i can get a reaction out of this so you you're 15 years old you get an acoustic guitar and you you play green day songs you play nirvana songs when was the first time that you were like hey uh i need to start a band and, and what what was the first band that you had i So I tried to start a band in Miramichi like really hard and it just like didn't work out. There just was like, just like conflicting schedules and, and whatever. So when I moved to school, moved for school to Halifax, um, I, there used to be this message board called Halifax Locals. It was like a local music message board thing. And people would post looking for bandmates And somebody posted, and I was listening to like a lot of 80s hardcore at the time. So bands like Reagan Youth and the and Black Flag and the Angry Samoans and, and things like that. Uh, and the person was like, want to start a band that sounds like crass and apolitical. And I was like, oh, I can, I can get behind this. So we formed a band that ended up sounding more like a pop punk band, like ish, called Dead Pinkertons. And then that's such a cool name. Thanks. Uh, I didn't come up with it, but I Is kept it? it for many years because the, yeah, the person pretty... who uh, came up with it left the band pretty soon after it started. Like they had like a, a career and school and like a wife and wanted kids and, and all that stuff. And so we kind of like, I kept the name and started the band over again with a new lineup and that was a little bit more refined and so that era of dead pinkertons was myself and james from weekend ads and uh darren who plays in a band called last agony and make make no gains in toronto okay is does pinkerton mean anything else than the boozer album like is there a meaning to the yeah word? so 
the Pinkerton thugs were like union busters back in like the Wild West days. Oh, okay. So it was kind of like, oh, well, if you're busting unions, then, you know, you'd be better off being dead. And that was our, mm. like, our stance on that. <laughs> cool. Nice. And uh, you said you moved to Halifax for school. Did you go to university there? Yeah, I, uh, I, went, to, I went to school here. I, I have a math degree. <laughs> like a bachelor in math or is it? Yeah, yeah like a bachelor of science. Wow. Do you, yeah. do, do you do anything with that? No, I, I, when I finished school, I was like, I want to go on tour. I want to play shows. I had like just skirted by through my degree. because I was like playing shows like every couple nights of the week, um, or, or every, every couple of nights, um, at around 2009, I formed a band called fat stupids, which was kind of like my longest running band for a long time and was really where I like cut my teeth musically and like learned how to write songs and like wrote some of the songs where I was like, like, I'm still really proud of that material. Like mm -hmm. it feels, it feels really good. It was like, you know, like 2009 era Ramonesy pop punk where like, you know, there were lots of Canadian bands that were doing similar things. And we took influence from them, like bands like the visitors and the creeps. Mm -hmm. uh, and then like, also like the Ramones and dead boys and, and all sorts of stuff. And we, we played around Atlanta, Canada a lot. Okay. So, so that was 2009 and um, that Pinkerton was around what, what year? Pinkertons were 2006 to 2009. Okay. So that was my ska years, I think. <laughs> Have you ever had a ska band? Never had a ska band. Would uh, keep joking that I'm going to put ska parts into the cluttered album. Mm, you should, well, there's I listened to it, and I think the second song has it's not ska, but it does like that's yeah. Oh, totally. And, uh, yeah, and, I, and yeah, when, don't hold your breath. Yeah, when that kicked in, I was like, "That's very good. I like it." <laughs> like I was like, "Yeah." Um, and um, so so but i guess i say i've never had a ska band i did have a ska period because there was a point in time where the only bands i would listen to were like operation ivy and slapstick so oh cool yeah wow i found out about slapstick like seven years ago so like I, like the band was not a thing anymore for a long no. time and i was i was a fan of lawrence arms and i was like oh what's that thing <laughs> yeah yeah, you, uh, the branch of the tree, like the the base of the tree, where you go all the way back, and you're like, "Oh, they were 15." Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah. So, do, do you remember your first show ever? Like the first show that you've played? Was it uh, was it when you were when you moved to Halifax, or did you play any weird? We, we played like a high we played like a high school talent show. Like I, I played that with the the friend that I had growing up, but my first. The first Dead Pinkerton show, there was a bar in Halifax called Reflections that would do Wednesday night shows that were really cheap. And, and like, it was just, Reflections was like a, was like a queer bar, uh, but they let rock shows happen a couple times a week. Um, they also have this, had this thing called Rockin' for Dollars, which is a full band open mic where you spin a wheel at the end of the night and try to win money. So wait, wait, wait. rocking for dollars. Yes. And, and like the thing, in Calgary, the thing in Calgary started in Halifax. 
but I, I, I have no idea about the thing in Calgary. What you sp how many bands were playing? Uh, it would be like everybody would get a 15 minute spot. So the That's first like night mic. was, yeah, it was essentially an open, like a full band open mic. <laughs> but it was wild because like the first Dead Pinkerton show, we played on a night where you could spin the wheel to win a thousand dollars. So we were like, there's no reason we won't go do this. Thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah. To, so to, it would go so wait, from two hundred to a, it would go yeah, it would go from two hundred to a thousand. Everybody spins the wheel. If nobody wins, the money goes the next week to the bigger amount. Oh my god. And it keeps building up. And so and that existed if you, for a while. If you spin the wheel and it is there like some places where there's nothing and you get nothing? Uh you can get nothing, you can get hit by food. There was one where What? it was just like Yeah, they would hit you with food or spit beer on you. Uh, also, there'd be like, you can get a shitty t-shirt and they would just have this bag of donated t-shirts where you would wow. like get shirts from it. Yeah. That's, that sounds insane. But that, that sounds like the kind of thing that I would... Uh, oh, you would have thrived. You yeah. would have started like 10 bands. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, fuck yeah. Is that why you have uh, so many bands? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. Because it was just like, well, part of it was that. Part of it was like, let's start different bands. Like, I knew I could balance things. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, originally I had that many bands because that was all I really wanted to do when I first started playing in bands I, I like I knew I was kind of learning and like developing a style and trying to figure out how to write things on my own and, and you know kind of discover the person that I am mm -hmm. through art so I was like why wouldn't I want to do this like five nights a week why wouldn't I want to play a show once a week or like there's a festival here or was a festival here called Halifax pop explosion. Mm -hmm. And there was one year where I played pop explosion like seven times. That's crazy. And it, <laughs> it was just like every band I was in played pop explosion that year. Hmm. It's not a, it's not a thing anymore. This festival. It might be. They've they're un, rightfully under some scrutiny for some things oh. that happened a couple years ago. Oh no. Yeah. Hmm. Um, when did you start playing solo shows? Because uh, you were in several bands, but you also play solo. So Yeah, so I can kind of give the timeline on that. Um, uh, I have a band called Future Girls. Um, and Future Girls at one point kind of were slowing down. Our drummer plays in a band called Botfly that's quite busy. And... Uh, I just like, we weren't able to pull things together to play shows. And I was offered a spot at a university bar and it had a guarantee. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to play solo. I'm going to learn how to do this. And so my first show was at uh, a bar called the Tea Room. Ooh. I played, I played electric with all of my pedals and would like make noise interludes between each song, but then was playing these like, you know, kind of uh, depressing, poppy, catchy sort of songs. And uh, it was very much like, it was a very weird thing to witness. And I was very, very nervous. And yeah, I bet. I, 
like because you're I'm used to like hiding behind like you hide behind the loudness or you hide behind a drummer or mm -hmm. I was used to that um and I write fairly vulnerable lyrics and so when it came time where it's like oh you can actually hear every word I'm saying like here we go and I just kind of leaned into that uh instead of going the other way and being like no it's too personal like I, I feel like I'm I'm getting progressively more and more personal with with my lyrics like mm -hmm. it's just like the natural progression of it nice I I remember my first uh, solo show was very stressful so stressful that I had to I drank a little well I drank I drank a little bit before the set and I remember being drunk on stage for my first show with an acoustic guitar oh yeah and I was uh I was not sober yeah oh yeah did you did you you definitely forgot the lyrics of your songs did you like or because or was it just me <laughs> no uh I went into the set with half of it being future girl songs and half of it being brand new material oh and stuff that like oh, I finished the verse of this last week. I'm going to play it next week. Like that's, that mm -hmm. is the one thing I really like with solo shows is the freedom of being able to play kind of whatever you want. Yeah. I, I remember, uh, yeah, I remember on, on my first acoustic show, it was in 2011. So I was, I was 19 years old. And I remember uh, saying like, hey, this, so this is a new song. And then I played it. And in the middle of the song, I was like, Bang, and then I play a C and I'm like that's the end of the song I guess now because I don't remember the rest but it's cool <laughs> and I was like wow I can do this like solo so totally. yeah well like so we we had a few dates together like a few tour dates together before yep. pandemic and there's a song that is that I played for all of our shows called what a time to be buried alive and I wrote that the week before we played our shows mm-hmm yeah. I was like, uh, like, I think I even said on stage, I was just like, anyone want to hear the thing I wrote last week? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And I remember uh, being the best song, uh, well, my favorite song of the set. And I think I, I already told you. Uh, speaking of this song, uh, when I looked it up, I think it's not on Spotify, but I think it's on your Bandcamp. Yeah. Or maybe it is. There's a, there's a demo of it on my Bandcamp and there's a demo of it on Spotify under Maddie Grace. Is it a um, song from for another project? Because if uh, it's a it's demo... Gonna be, it's going to be a cluttered song. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to hearing the full... Because it's the full band song is not out yet, right? No. Not, okay, no, cool. we... Uh, I just finished writing the full length that we're going to record that will hopefully be done and out by the fall, but maybe the early spring. Um, and what a time to be very alive is included on that. Amazing. Are you going to send it to Arms Aloft? Yes. If Thanks. you if you can hook that up, I will. Oh absolutely. yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I'm sure they will. They will love to hear that. Let's talk about My question for you. Yeah. Is, are you a person that? when you start writing a song, it like happens and then you're done in like 15 minutes and the whole thing is formed? Or are you the person that like writes a part and then thinks it over and picks at it and picks at it and picks at it mm. until it's done? Good question. Uh, good question. I, I have, um, I do the both like yeah. most, 
most of the time when what I do is I um well in the in the past few years what I've been doing is I have a melody in my head and uh I take a shower and then I'm like oh yeah that's a good melody and then I get out of the shower and I'm like okay and I try to get the chords and the melody then I record it on my phone or like I walk my dog and I'm like oh shit I got the melody in my head and I'm like oh I need to recorded so i just take out my phone i'm like on my phone and it, it sounds very dumb and then at like a few i work on the thing and eventually it builds a song but that's that was that was going to be my first question what's your songwriting process in general do you do you write the melody first do you write the lyrics first do you write the riffs um, with the guitar first usually like i'd say like 80 of the time Uh, it comes from a guitar riff. Um, and sometimes it'll come from a guitar riff and sometimes it'll actually come from a lyric. Oh, uh, nice. So I get the idea for a lyric and then I'm just like, like, oh, what musically fits if I say the word like, um, like on the Clutter DP, the song Burn All of It. I was just like humming like burn all of it burn all of it and I was like how am I gonna like how am I gonna do that and how am I gonna like make this song around this like one part and so I like kind of traced it backwards from the lyric line I was like oh this is the lyric so this is kind of the vibe of the song so I need to put it in like I just kind of like guess where my hand goes and then try and like work around it Um, most of my songs lately are written really quickly, like very fast. Um, like with the exception of two or three songs on the full length, like from, uh, from like the start of the idea to the last vocal take before I send it to our drummer is like less than 24 hours. It'll be like, write everything take a break write words or like write everything and write the words or like just write it like record it into my phone and then have to re-record it later um my phone right now is as you said like recording like a vo vocal melody into your phone like if you, you were to see this? my phone it's like new recording 678 like some of them are like riff good cluttered riff good future girls and then oh, it's that's, like that's what i was bad. gonna yeah that's that's one of the question uh one of the questions i was gonna ask was you have seven projects i think you have cluttered modern cynics uh i wrote them down here century egg I've never, like i've seen yeah. the name century egg i was like what the, what the hell is that <laughs> uh, century eggs like amanda like a mando pop band from halifax that i started playing bass for last uh april okay uh, cool. it's it's really cool it's like something really different and i bring a very much like a like a punk element to the, the music now which nice. they didn't always have before but like they were a punk band there's like lots of influences from like suicide like suicide and like like new york bands and stuff mm -hmm. um there's, there, and there's uh future girls I, i i think i booked future girls for puja You is did. It? We were unable to go. It was not me. It was, oh, okay. uh, yeah, somebody else. Because Weekend Dads played the same year. Yeah. So, and like, active bands uh, are, like, cluttered. 
Modern Cynics, I guess. Modern Cynics was a recording project for at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, Future Girls, Century Egg, Weekend Ads. Hemingways are still a band. Um, I have a band called Source Box, which we put out an EP last year, which is pretty cool. Uh, I'm really proud of that. And we have a new EP in the works. It's just myself and two friends. Uh, They're like scene veterans here. And so we get together every every once in a while and just play music that sounds kind of like the Wipers or Dinosaur Jr. Okay, cool. And and do you write like what's that was going to be my question? Uh, that was going to be my question. Do you uh, how do you, when you write a song? Do you like oh yeah, this is a Potter song or this is a Future Girl song? This is a Weekend Dad song because I've been asked this question uh, many times in interviews and. Uh, Every time I'm like, I, I don't even know why I'm asking this question because I don't, I don't see how, I don't think it's a very good question, but I get this question asked all the time. Well, and, and every time I'm like, uh, I don't know. Sometimes it's like, I feel like it could be rocking like a lost love song or it could be like a quieter solo song. I don't know. It's just, but do you so, have a... So I don't write for every band. Lots of bands let me write. Um, there are some that... I just, I stick to like playing leads and, and stuff. Um, and usually, and I, and this might sound like a cop-out answer, but like, I just like, if I write something, I just like, I'll know it's a cluttered song or like Future Girls recorded a new EP. And when I was writing the songs, like every song was intentionally, like I knew it was a Future Girls song. Mm-hmm. And you can almost predict a little bit how it's going to sound with the people in the band and how you're playing and the people that you're playing with. Um, because like Dylan, who's the drummer for Cluttered is a much different drummer than Dwayne, who's the drummer for Future Girls. So mm-hmm. like, if I know like the kind of vibe the song is or like what it's going for, like how bleak it is or whatever, like I know which pile it kind of goes into. Mm-hmm. Um, Sore Spots is a pretty fun band because we actually write everything together. We jam, we just literally like start playing riffs and then piece a song together together and then I'll write lyrics on top of it. Um, But that's the only band that I have like that. Like that's almost a writing process, like an exercise in itself. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that was one of my questions. Do you do you write with a band sometimes or And not often not, not most really, of the time right? i just write myself by myself mm-hmm. um i have a really hard time communicating music or i did for a long time so like trying to get my idea across is way easier for me to just do like a home demo where i layer everything and record the whole thing than try and actually like explain it or talk it out mm-hmm. and have you ever worked with a producer before No, but uh, hopefully for the new Cluttered album, uh, I would love to work with a producer. Nice. It's very uh, humbling. It's uh... that's that's what it seems like. It seems like you you kind of uh, you're no longer as precious about the material that uh-huh. you're working with because it can change. And I'm like excited at the prospect of that because I'm a little bit precious with things right now. Where I'm like, no, it's good. It's perfect the way it is. And somebody's like listen i know what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah it's uh the like i've worked a few times with 
always the same producer, uh, Hugo Muti. And every yeah. time, like every time it gets better and better to work with him because now we're almost like a band together like because he yeah. knows how I write songs and he knows how to push my boundaries to make the songs better which uh at first I remember I was like it's not something that you enjoy as a songwriter to be told like no like this this is a shitty song or like this is yeah. like no this riff is not good just, just take it out of the song or just like add something there and like you're it's like you build something and then somebody's like, no, that's not like, let's redo it. But like now, it, now that it's been years that I work with him, I'm like totally fine with it. And I actually enjoy the process of being told like, yeah, yeah this is shit. <laughs> well, and that's, uh, that was the thing with the, the forthcoming cluttered record. Cause I was, I wrote 14 songs for it, but I think 10 will end up on the album. Cause I was like, what if this one is weak? What if this riff is weak? What if like, like trying to almost self-produce mm -hmm. a little bit to like, hopefully that when somebody else sees it, they're like able to, to kind of take it and shape it a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you write songs, do you sit down and you're like, all right, I'm writing songs today. Or is it just like, so like, I don't know you. So I've been working on an arts grant uh, for the past couple months and every day has been like, I sit down to write a song. Prior to that and like how it's went today, like I wrote a song today, I was just walking around my apartment holding a guitar and playing a riff. And then all of a sudden I was just like, oh, here are the pieces, I'll put this together later. But so, like- And do you feel there's a pressure to because of the grant yeah right yeah i was i was feeling a lot of pressure i don't really feel so much right now like writing as many songs as i have uh like especially lately like i don't right now i don't really feel like a ton of pressure because it's it's done i did it i wrote all of the things like it, it is what it is Mm -hmm. so it's like it's good or it's it's not as good as something or like it's really nerve-wracking writing a record that might not be out for a year that people really like the two EPs that we did and then I'm like okay well here's a bunch more songs hope you like them like mm -hmm. trying to figure out that line between like what I want to do that makes me happy as an artist and like what people can, what like resonates with people. And yeah. that's, it's pretty challenging. What's uh what influences your songwriting? Uh, like, and it's a very broad question. Like, is it, are you influenced? Well, obviously we're all influenced by music, but are you influenced by books, movies, or any, anything um, else? Usually like social commentary like kind of thinking and reflecting on like the day-to-day -day or like Halifax, just like lots of other places in Canada, there's a housing crisis right now and like poor areas are rapidly getting gentrified and it's like, you know, it's all around you. So you like, it kind of permeates your existence a little bit. And so then like, I'm feel, you know, you feel inspired to write about this thing that just feels like super bad <laughs> mm -hmm. I was gonna ask like do you do you write more about politics or more about your emotions but that seems like a good 
mix of both when you just talked about this. Yeah, yeah, it, it's very much a mix of both. It's like, how am I feeling about this thing that makes me feel bad? Mm -hmm. And then like, like trying to dissect it or like there are some songs which are just straight up like, uh, I'm having a bad brain day. Mm -hmm. Here's the song or like, um, I was writing a lot about pandemic life like for a while, like that was like even before it all went down with like what a time to be buried alive. Like it was kind of like, it felt like something was coming. Mm -hmm. uh, and then like, you know, writing about like isolation and, and like feeling removed from a community that you once felt like you were a part of because there is no, not really a community anymore because no one's able to gather and like, yeah. It's mm -hmm. like, it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's uh, definitely weird, weird times right now. <laughs> uh, I, I wrote like, in my early 20s, I wrote a lot with like, I started Lost Love when I was 19, I think, or 20. And then uh, I wrote a lot of songs. Obviously, the band was it's called Lost Love. So it was a lot about my emotions and what I was experiencing. Yeah. And uh, I thought, you know, what? I was writing songs just to I don't know. I did. I just wanted to write what I had in my mind and what I was experiencing at that time. And totally. now, now that I'm like, especially with the pandemic, it's it's been like a long time to just take a um, distance yourself from everything that's happening and be like, oh, what am I gonna write about? I'm because I'm doing I'm doing well. I'm like a very lucky person right now. I'm like, oh shit, my life's all right. So what am I gonna write about? And it's more it becomes my writing becomes more politics, not in an anti-flag kind of way, but in a more like, oh shit, the world is fucked. I'm gonna write about this. Totally. Yeah, that's absolutely like, like absolutely. And same, I mean, like there's still times where I'm, you know, writing with my heart very much on my sleeve because that's the only way I know how to write. Like. Mm -hmm there i've been writing a lot of songs lately dealing with like um dealing with like more like queer political topics or like with as as a trans person like dealing with like some of the things that go that have gone along with my experience as a trans person and like trying to write about those in a relatable way because when you're writing about something that's oddly specific like it's it's kind of well, like an art in itself to make it like a little more varied so other people mm -hmm. can grab onto it i like yeah and as an example like against me when they when they released like their two latest albums well their last yeah. the al last album that came out is in my taste in my opinion their best album and i listened to the lyrics and even though i'm not trans i'm not a trans person I, I can still relate to the lyrics in the sense that I have felt not in the same way. <laughs> I don't try to make some weird, well, I'm making a parallel, but I, I know it's not the same, but I felt not good in my own body. And I felt yeah. like, I don't, I don't know if it's called dysphoria, like to feel like, oh shit, I don't, I'm not feeling well with the person that I am when I look in the mirror. Yeah. But, that's that, that is, that's, what it is like that's, that's a dysphoric yeah. feeling yeah and, and and also the feeling of not 
just not fitting in socially where you are right now also yeah. so it's not i i don't know when 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 laura jane grace uh came out do you say came out or do you say came out came out yeah as trans i was like oh amazing I'm, and i was like when i listened to their new song i was like oh shit it's even better and yeah. i knew i have some friends that were like ah oh, you know what reinventing axel rose is the best i'm like I don't know. I don't know anymore. Uh, there, like, I'm I'm a big against me fan. I went to Toronto to see them play the four albums over two nights. Nice. And like, and I agree with you. I think Shapeshift with me is a really good record. I think it's a really, really, really good record. Mm -hmm. But like, what's each, your favorite? What's your favorite against me record? Searching for a former clarity. Oh really? Oh there's, yeah. Because there's a lot of like lyrics about gender that are like kind of skirting under uh -huh. it uh that record changed my life like straight up wow nice yeah amazing and what were what were you going to say about like you oh went... sorry um this like watching the songs from transgender dysphoria blues like live and like getting to see that whole piece of music like as like from first song to last song is like an incredibly powerful experience. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes, sometimes songs and bands and albums almost transcend like the other works. Like I know people who are like reinventing Axl Rose is, is the best. And it's like reinventing Axl Rose is great. I love those songs, but like there's something about the connection and production and like the timing of that record coming out of like transgender dysphoria blues coming out that is like it's just like this thing on its own it's its own entity yeah that's almost like bigger than the mm -hmm. other parts of the band and as as against me fans i, I think that if you're like a, a real quote unquote a real against me fan i think you cannot really put them in orders because it's as a whole all their album all their al albums are like on that's against me like that's yeah so i don't there's not there's there's not one album that i'm like ah oh, it's not a good album they're all like great albums no. and it's like the the thing that was disappointing about the shows in toronto was that the encore wasn't that like the encore the first night was like we're gonna play some songs from axel rose and then the next night was like we're gonna play some songs from eternal cowboy the only disappointing thing was that they didn't play those records front to back oh okay yeah because like like getting to see like the whole thing with the exception of like shapeshift with me but like getting to see six mm -hmm. albums would be like you're like oh i've i've seen like the best against me and it was still like i've seen against me a bunch of times and that was still like the best show i'd ever seen mm -hmm. nice amazing one of my favorite songs of a, like it's my in my top five so i want to say it's my number one favorite song is bamboo bones oh that for sounds some, great for some White reason Crosses is an underappreciated record for yep. sure yep definitely definitely and and i want to i want to um, my next musical project i want to call it bamboo bones nice that's a great name yeah i i'm saying it here so if somebody steals that for me i'm gonna be like hey it was on the on this podcast yeah. <laughs> now we're at the part where we're gonna talk about creativity 
So let's let's talk about the last subject, creativity. Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a very broad question. But what is uh, creativity? If you had to describe creativity to someone who's never heard of that word, what would you say? Um, creativity is a way to take what you're feeling inside and express it and give it a voice that it might not necessarily have otherwise. Like for me, creativity and like the artistic process and like the process of writing music, um, those things, those things were done and are done as a way to express myself. Um, mm -hmm. And to work through whatever it is that's going on in my head in a way that's like meaningful to me, like to create something that you can like um, feel an attachment to or like revisit or something. Like if you have a feeling and you want to capture it and you're like, maybe I need to revisit this every once in a while, or maybe this is something that is like a universal truth or whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you think everyone is creative or like, do you think yeah. that everyone has a potential, a creative potential? I think everyone has a creative potential if they want it. I think that's the big thing is like, there are some people who just don't have maybe like, maybe it's not on such a grand scale. Maybe it's like, the way that somebody is creative is they're like really good at their eye makeup or something yeah. like it's it could just be something simple in their day-to-day -day life like they're just like this is how i express myself this is how i get my creative creativity out this is how i feel fulfilled um and then some people join a bunch of bands and fucking write a million songs all the time and <laughs> yeah you, how much like how much space does creativity uh, take in, in your life? Like do you, what's your, uh, what's your day-to-day -day job right now? Do you? Uh, I don't have one right now. You don't have one right now. Okay. So that I'm, does not I'm apply. I'm a full-time, I'm a full-time artist right now. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. You, what was your last job that you had that was? Uh, I worked okay. uh, for a company as an accounts receivable clerk. Oh, so no, any creativity involved in that? No, not at all. It's, I, it was yeah. literally just it was literally just a job to like make enough money to try to go on tour. Mm -hmm. Okay, I understand. I, I have this theory and, and I might be totally wrong that but I, I believe that like every job and, and I really mean it, every job can have a creative aspect if you like work it out like if you if you if you make space for creativity and even if you're just a clerk in a grocery grocery shop there's a way to do it but i'm not sure it's, how exactly it's, it's really hard the thing the thing that was always really satisfying with that last job like it wasn't all bad um but it would be like like obviously it's not 
in the job itself that I would like make show posters with the fucking photocopier and stuff. <laughs> and like, I would be doing band, like creative band stuff while I would work for a bunch. And then on my lunch yeah. break, I would use all of their supplies to like make posters. I feel like it's so sad to have a job where you cannot express your creativity in any way. Like, okay, a good example, if you work in a garage, if you're like um, a mechanic, there's a way to be creative in a sense that like uh, somebody brings their car and they're and you're like, oh, uh, what's the problem? And then you have to find a Like there's some kind of creativity in there in like finding a way to find a problem and like solve the problem. There's like a, there's like creativity in the sense of art, but there's also creativity in the sense of, um, I don't know what to call it. Like, like ingenuity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess thinking about it that way, like the job was, the last job was pretty like pretty mindless or whatever but before that I worked for Starbucks I was like a barista for a bunch of years and there's there's a ton of creativity in that kind of job they like actively like coffee shops and environments like that seem to actively encourage it whether it's like you get to design the sign like menial like kind of work but like you're able to kind of put your own flair on it or whatever like no one would ever ask me to make signs at work because I would use the like like black flag font So I would just like draw it with chalk and they'd be like, this looks like a, like an eighties punk poster. Like you can't use this. Wow. <laughs> Great. Oh, um, I'm, I'm guessing right now, now that you, that you do that, like you're an artist full time, do you, you probably have some down times where you, you're, you feel like your creativity is totally out. What do you yeah. do when you're in that like pit in that broad of like oh i don't have any creativity right now is there something that you do to get more creative get more ideas um yeah there's a couple things uh i was that way for a couple weeks i was like didn't really pick up a guitar would listen to records but like wasn't like actively engaging in music just because i felt kind of tired and tapped out um My, my partner is an artist, uh, their name is Kay. And we, we play music together sometimes, but it's like, like just purely for fun, like both playing unplugged, like, like me playing an unplugged guitar and them playing an unplugged bass and like, like playing together and writing silly songs or like I have this little keyboard and like using the little keyboard and like just And I find that that actually snaps me out of the slump a little bit, like just doing mm -hmm. something that's totally removed from what I'm like, I'm going to sit down and make this cluttered song sound like this. It's more just like, what if we just play with this keyboard and make it sound like the monster mash over and over again? <laughs> nice. Wow. Amazing. Um, yeah. I'm, So the the question that I asked uh, a few minutes ago about can if ever uh, can anyone be creative uh, to some extent is is something that I'm very intrigued about. I'm I'm very wondering if like if everyone has the potential to absolutely be creative, and uh, well, it it kind of I would say everybody does for sure, much in the same way that like have you ever 
like told somebody you play in a band and then they respond with, oh, I could never do that. <laughs> yeah. Like that's bullshit. Anybody can start a band if they want to. Like that's why punk music exists so that you can like, like, you know, the level of success you have with that band depends on so many other factors. But like, if you just want to like make music to express yourself or to be like, I'm going to go be loud for a little while, but because like, if you work a desk job all the time and you're a quiet person, then maybe you need an outlet. That's like the exact opposite. Like, I'm sure that's the same reason that people who like have office jobs take like martial arts, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like to get your like, create to like get the energy out somehow yeah definitely because and i've been wondering about all of this because um like like i told you in in my email I'm, i've been uh I, I might in a few years i don't know when exactly do a phd on on creativity and because i'm i'm, I'm an english teacher i'm speaking english as a second language uh i'm, I'm curious about how much like if if we push the students to be more creative, if, if it's gonna help them learn the language better. In, totally. In some way, because uh, at, when you start learning a language, at first you, uh, you're gonna start learning words and you're gonna build in your head like a, a small dictionary of the other language. And, and at some point you'll, you'll have enough words to create new sentences that you've never heard before, which is when learning a language becomes interesting when you're, thinking in your head, oh, I need to say, I am putting food on the table. And you're like, okay, so putting food table, and then you're like, you're trying to put the words in order. And, and that's, that's, to me, that's some sort of creativity when you've never heard this sentence before, but you're like, hey, if I put these words in that order, is that going to make a meaningful thing? Totally. And, uh, yeah. and it's, and like learning a language is really challenging. I've been, I've been working on like refreshing and like learning French again and like having someone like you put out a record in French is really helpful for me because I can listen to it and start to like let it sink in and like yeah. that's probably how I'm going to learn that language is by listening to like 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 bands who sing in French <laughs> yeah that's uh that's how I learned my that's how I learned English I learned uh, by watching movies and listening to music in English because we're surrounded by that <laughs> totally all right so i think i don't i don't have any more questions but before uh before we finish the the, um, the recording do you have any uh future projects or uh, or current projects that you want people to listen to what should people check out sure um so clutter just released a new ep on the 4th of june called accidents on bloated cat records uh that's on Bandcamp and on like streaming services. Uh, we also put out a live set that is on YouTube that we recorded uh, after having not seen each other for six weeks. We got in the same room and just recorded the set. Um, so those two things are online. If somebody wanted to check them out, that would be really cool. And Century Egg released a new record called Little Piece of Hair. Uh, it came out on Forward Music Group and we're going to be both bands are going to be like hopefully touring this fall if all goes well um we're starting to try to book stuff and like uh hopefully we'll be able to like see each other again cool amazing 
thank you so much for accepting to be a part of the burrito kind of guy podcast and yes uh, thank you for having me i'll see you soon yes see you later